Welcome to another great episode of Talk to Tatiana. And today I have a very special guest, and we're going to be doing a lot of these conversations because I think, Prajit, you're pretty awesome. So, Prajit, welcome to the, sh to the show to Talk to Tatiana. Hey, Tatiana. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Oh, it's going to be an ongoing thing, and I'm excited to get started. But we were just talking before we hit record, and um, and you were sharing kind of how you got started uh, when you came to the U.S. So why don't you please share your story when you've made the prediction, prediction um, at your job and, and how you've done after and why we're talking about asking the right questions and really pretending, not pretending, but really actually acting as if we don't know anything and all of those things that are the really the foundation of um, life, I think. Um, and the future too. So why don't you go ahead and share how you got started, how you came to the U.S.? Uh, sure. Uh, I mean, I was, so I grew up predominantly in, in, in India, specifically Delhi. Uh, father was a, uh, father was a cardiac uh, surgeon. Um, my uncle, you know, he's, he's a scientist. He's invented a lot of stuff. He's a teacher at Princeton. Grandfather was a math major professor. Um, relatively speaking, I was a black sheep because <laughs> I was, uh, I, I had ADHD. I was interested in everything, not one thing. So anyway, so my father thought, you know, this guy, you know, needs to go to the U.S. <laughs> Maybe he'll do something there. So, uh, uh, so I came to the U.S., uh, uh, you know, largely with support of family and uh, with the idea of being just, you know, see the world and just decide, you know, what fits your interests and in, and in, in where you want to live so i came here 2003 i studied uh, i did a master's degree from ut austin um, actually on the board there now in one of the programs uh, uh, then i joined uh, my only serious job was you know i did a lot of small jobs you know uh, but i joined uh, a company called wood mckenzie that's a energy consulting firm you know really remarkable company um, I joined in 2006 and I was there until 2019. So my journey was really start of, you know, I came as an Indian guy, you know, with as thick an Indian accent as you can have. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the, and I, over, over the next sort of 18 odd years, um, I'm sorry, 15 to 16 odd years, uh, you know, I grew up the ladder and I ended up being the head of energy transition research, which sounds great. Um, and, and, and it was interesting because I learned a lot across a lot of fields. Yeah. Uh, but my journey started off actually with, a with actually, I made a prediction that, that, um, you know, was a big change from what was historically a trend line, but I said that trend line was not going to happen anymore. Um, go ahead. so, so, um, you know, go a little bit into detail, give us some, some feedback. Like you, when you were just telling me the story, you were saying that you went to your boss and, um, give us, uh, give me some yeah. um, um, context so that sure, everyone sure. listening can picture it. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, I won't talk about any particular people because you know, but I'll talk about the, the content of it. Um, and because these, these were really the seeds to what. Um, obviously, that wasn't my job. I was looking at electric demand, so I, I think people just didn't have the time uh, to look at it. With any degree of seriousness, is you know, I might, might be giving them more credit than deserves, but but I, I do think that it's really a matter of attention. 
Um, can you talk a little bit about, just to give people some context, um, in terms of predictions or forecasts or anything like that, and it applies to every prediction pretty much that you have or anything in life, um, what what happens when you need to make a prediction? What are the two things that you you mentioned to me before we started recording um, that kind of just to explain simply what happens um, when people make models and forecasts and predictions in terms of variables and the weight? Well, I think everybody has different different ways of doing it. So right now, the predominant method is running models, you know, really detailed, intricate models. Um, you know, I, I think what's missing is a step before that. Um, but but could you could you explain what you've explained to me about the variables and weight of each variable yeah. and how when a new variable is introduced to that kind of stuff? So you know, so people kind of use this phrase called data driven intelligence. Right, we have to be data driven and so on and so forth. Um, you know, if uh, which uh, which is what I am. I'm an analyst, right? Um, um, this when you say data driven, what does that actually mean specifically? Mean right? What that basically means, you can explain it in a simple linear equation that we all have learned in our math 101 uh, in fifth grade or tenth grade or whatever. <laughs> Uh, country you come from, but uh, so if you think of a simple equation like y is equal to ax plus by plus cz, right? And the way I make it relatable is say, uh, look at your friend, right? Say your opinion on a friend is the y variable, right? The friend could have a lot of good qualities and bad qualities, right? They may be kind, uh, but they may have, uh, you know, they may have a lot of other bad qualities. So think of these variables as okay, this guy has money, but he's a mean chap, right? Or he's a kind chap or... So these are all the variables when we look at a person. And then we make friends with people based on, uh, say, I, you know, I know this person has flaws, but I like how kind he is. So we are putting more weightage on the kindness variable of that person. And that is why we are choosing to be friends with them. Somebody else will think, no, this guy has got no money. I don't want to be friends with them, right? I don't care how kind he is. So we are all intrinsically basically doing data analysis all the time. We've got variables. So there's really two things. There's a number, there's a variable, uh, and then there's the weight that we put to that variable that determines how we think about things. Uh, this is, in fact, this is also the whole fundamental idea behind neural networks, as many have said. It's basically a bunch of simple linear variables on top of each other. Um, the, the challenge becomes, and I'll pause after this is, the challenge becomes is what happens when the number of variables increases substantially. Um, the challenge then is, are you open-minded enough? How do you identify these new variables? Um, and then how do you put the right weightage on them um, so you can get the right signals from that data? So, And that's really the fundamental challenge when it comes to any sort of data-driven work that anybody does. I love it. I'm taking notes. So if you hear me clocking, I'm just taking a little note for, for show notes uh, for the podcast. So, so that people can just get a glimpse of what we're talking about here. And so um, the fundamental, I guess, challenge that you've mentioned, can you repeat it in, um, in um, one sentence in a sense that anything, I guess, any decision or anything that we do can be explained 
um, in simple logic um, that I um, kind of, I made an inference, um, but what you said was, what would, what did you say was the actual fundamental challenge? Um, just repeat it for me, please. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a bunch of different challenges. There's, uh, you know, we, we, we uh, I'll try, uh, let me think of a specific example. Um, so, you know, specific to the example that we talked about, right? Uh, you know, if you're in the industry, you know, you're looking at, if you're in the electricity industry, you're looking at gas prices as one variable. So what you think gas prices will be, then there's a certain weightage to the gas prices. How important is this to this industry, right? Then there's the demand forecast. What is the demand of the product? So gas prices, the price of the raw material. Um, demand is how much is this product going to be in demand? So they're all variables, right? Um, so, and those, that demand variable has other variables, you know, that, that drive it. The challenge is when something new comes that you're not familiar with at all, right? As an industry, I'm not talking about as an individual, as, as a broad industry, when these are called, you know, you, you, you call it cool names like paradigm changes, you know, um, what, that mathematically means is new variables, right? This is where it gets really tricky because uh, what this is where, you know, looking inside becomes very important. Understanding psychology, understanding your, how your brain works becomes very important. Uh, the reason for that is the, if you think of uh, mathematical precision, anytime there's a new variable that you have to account for, first you have to identify that variable, which has its own process. How do you identify something you don't even know? Yeah. That's so, that's what, so we've created a methodology around it, right? Um, then you have to put a weightage on that variable. Like how important is this variable given what I'm trying to look at, right? And how does this variable impact other variables that I am familiar with, right? Specifically, I looked at lighting standards, right? Energy efficiency as a variable, to be simple. This was a new variable, but, but when I looked at energy efficiency, it changes all the other variables, right? So, now the, the struggle with the human mind aspect of it is uh, if you think about it and anybody would know this with a little bit of reflection is mathematically if there's a new variable first you have to identify the variable and provide a weight to that variable now if you think about what you do anything that you don't know you you kind of discard as irrelevant right and this is many sort of underlying reasons right peer groups group think sort of standard practice for multiple decades, you know, whatever. Um, the thing is, if there's a new variable and if you discard it, you're basically what you're doing is your mind is giving it a zero weightage, right? Which is mathematically imprecise because you really don't know the weightage of that variable. You don't even know the variable. How do you know the weightage of the variable? Yeah. Um, now, so, so that's really the struggle of today is the really important thing is what do you not know? And if you have to know what you don't know, you have to ask questions. Uh, the way, and, and, and really the energy example was, uh, was almost like a, in, in a, some sort of a divine justice way for me personally was a education for what I'm doing today. Like there's something called the fourth industrial revolution, right? Uh, these are meetings in Davos, that's what they talk about, right? 
Now imagine the, if the fourth industrial revolution meant that there's thousands and thousands, maybe millions of new variables, right? Uh, and if you're discounting all of it, <laughs> you're in for a big surprise, <laughs> right? Whether you're a business, whether you're an individual, uh, a massive surprise, right? And 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 so we kind of built this uh, this company, and it's not really about the company. It's really it's a, it's a collaborative effort. It has to be. Um, is to was to, was to create a new research methodology, you know, a structured research methodology where you could look at the new variables, you could assign the new weightages to that variable, and rethink your model of the world, of you know your risks for the business, your opportunities for the business, and so on and so. Forth. And there's many other things like connected thinking, divergent thinking. There's a lot of things that are part of it, but we can't. We don't have to go there now, right? So. So, so talk about the importance of asking questions um, and how how that is really the key, I guess, um, to the next steps of the humanity. Oh, if you if you take it to the humanity level, I'll, I'll go there. <laughs> um, so, I'll, I'll give an I'll give an interesting example, right? So, uh, you know, sometime back I was having a, you know, and and just to you know, I'm an analyst, right? So I have no. I, I'm, I'm very, very conscious of having opinions because opinions are not good for asking questions because you've already formed an opinion on it. Correct. Uh, you've already given it a weightage and you're not ready to change the weightage, <laughs> right? So it's, and, and that's the, I think the riskiest thing to do at the moment. Uh, the one example I will give, and I'll give something that's relatable, like not an industry example. Uh, and I'm happy to add industry examples too, but imagine like, if you want to solve like the biggest problems of the world, right uh racism right uh or uh, or right versus left or whatever right what if the answer is actually very simple <laughs> and let me give you an example right um and again i'm putting myself out there but again let, let logic be the guide rather than preconceived ideas so one of the things i was in a discussion with a friend of mine uh you know he, he's a you know, he's a religious guy. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Uh, and, you know, he was, I was asking him one simple thing. You know, I, I keep, when I came to the U.S., you know, again, when you would know as an immigrant, when you come to the U.S., uh, you know, it's like a new world, you know, yeah. like I was wondering, like, why are people not honking on the roads? What the hell is going on? <laughs> um, you know, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> um, so it, you have to completely recalibrate your, uh, you know, thinking. So when I got into this, this discussion with a friend of mine, uh, he was like, yeah, you know, religion does this and does this and this, 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 this. I asked him, I asked him like, you know, there's this whole thing about spirituality versus science, right? Uh, or religion versus science or however people want to look at it. I don't even understand the question, right? And I'll give you an example. I'll tell you why. Like, so if you kind of go back, so somebody's asking you, Okay, you're a spiritual guy or a scientific guy? And then everybody's answering that question, right? Um, well, let's just take a step back. Let's, let's, re let's rethink the question one more. Is it a relevant question or not? Otherwise, we're just wasting our time. You know, may maybe decades of time <laughs> asking, answering a question that's irrelevant. Uh, and he here's why, right? Uh, you know, there's, there's something called computational logic, which is basically computer logic. A big part of computer logic is if-then statements. 
if this is true, then this has to be true. Why those are important for us as a research methodology is that you, you don't have to take a position on things. You're basically saying, if you believe in this, then you have to believe in this because they're related, they're connected. Now, let me, what does that mean as a real life example? So, you know, if I was, you know, if, so let's just take atheists versus people who believe in God, right? I don't understand any one of them. <laughs> and I'm not trying to rouse anything. I'm just going to ask a simple question here. Let's just take people who believe in God, right? And this is not, I'm not even questioning anything, right? I'm talking about if-then statements. If God made everything, right? He made nature, he made the earth, he made, you know, whether he made it on six days or something else or something else, but he made, you're saying that this God made everything. So he made nature, everything around us, right? Now, scientifically, we know that nature is full of math. E is equal to MC square, Fibonacci series. Everybody's seen those YouTube documentaries and videos, and we've had fun with it. Well, let's connect the two concepts, right? If God made nature and nature is full of math, then God has to have qualities of a mathematician. That we know for sure. Is it not? Sure. Okay. Then God has to be a mathematician, a scientist. <laughs> that is the only thing we know for sure. If you believe, if God made nature, it's an if-then statement. If God made nature, and nature is full of math, then God has to have qualities of a mathematician. That's the only logical conclusion. Whether he's kind or he's not kind, I don't know. I've not met God. <laughs> like, you know, I'm a nobody. But I, what I can say for sure is that he has to have math. So I don't really understand the difference between science and spirituality. Right? If God is a mathematician, then what, what is his question? What does it even mean? Right? So, and this is a simple example to show that I think if you, you know, I have a passion for, I know this is, I have a passion for the truth. That's the only thing I really care about, right? Uh, how I sound, who likes me, who does not like me is less relevant compared to the truth. And, and, and I mean, I created a company and a product out of it, right? So I don't, I'm not just saying it so it sounds good. Uh, but to get to the truth, like you have to ask, so this is an example of how you have to ask the right questions. Right. Because what I've seen is, I mean, I've spent about 18 years, you know, in the U.S. For the life of me, the science, spirituality, science, religion, like everybody's fighting with each other. Like, you know, he's some subgroup is, has opinions on it. And imagine so many decades. What are we fighting for? Like, what if they're the same thing? You know, um, and I mean, why is why? I mean, you know, we send, you know, these quotes of Nikola Tesla and Einstein, you know, people who actually change the world, you know, um, they all say spiritual things, right? So like somebody will send me a quote of, I don't know if they're legitimate quotes or not, like there's, there's arguments around that, but, but a lot of these senior people, like they'll, they'll, these, these big uh, people who made big changes will talk about fundamental uh, things about spirituality. And my thing is, I don't really want to discuss what they were talking about. Like that, that's, we get into like, okay, that's what they meant. I don't know what they meant. I'm not in their head. What I am curious about is why is a scientist talking like a spiritual person? That's what's important to me. That's an important question. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, um, now imagine one more thing, right? There's a, the, the, let's take racism as an issue, right? Everybody talking about racism all the time, right? Well, I, I'll, 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 I'll suggest a simple solution. <laughs> you know, they say, if you know yourself, you know, everything else, what's inside is outside, you know, these esoteric concepts. 
there's Let's put it down to simple things before right? you do i want to throw in a quote by um lotzu uh, i think um he said yeah. that knowing others is wisdom knowing yourself is enlightenment so go on yeah um the what was a uh so you know when i say knowing yourself uh uh i mean there's there's tons of examples going on in my head i'm just going to make sure that you know i don't i don't show my adhd self too much um <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. I, I totally receive it because I'm ADHD myself, so totally fine. <laughs> um, the uh, like the, the the racism thing is like you know I look I, you know I I know I know simple things you know like you know simple things are important. We're all we're all babies, and all babies are cute. <laughs> um, and I know that what happens between that cuteness and when we grow up, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, the you know i'm kind of losing track the uh the, the, so the one of the the big things going on in neurosciences right is consciousness you know there's a lot of chatter about there's youtube videos about consciousness and all these things uh and i was you know we were talking to you know i'm in the healthcare industry and the energy industry i was talking to a bunch of healthcare experts uh psychologists neuroscientists um you know there's a lot of detail behind consciousness and reticular formation and things you know it's it's complex what you know i read this paper about uh, you know what is consciousness who we are really and all that there's a lot of speculation you know the first statement i wanted to make was was we don't really know who we are <laughs> let's get that straight i mean that's obvious right we're not sure <laughs> um and but say say consciousness is who we are Right? but we don't really know um if tr- if true if then statement if true that means you know what you call soul right and consciousness is like a mini version of that if it comes if if science proves that to be true right then you know what does that mean that means you're a consciousness right you're not your body and you're not the mind right and we'll talk about that too it's simple logic all of it like we think right like you know you're not the mind and you know you're not the body like it's simple logic it doesn't have to be esoteric can you can you uh explain that that simple logic so that others understand as well sure 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 i mean I, i'm i'm going to i'm going to have a lot of people like so so you know when i when i when i became spiritual uh after i did all the wrong things in life <laughs> and i became spiritual uh you know i i got into you know one of the first things you hear when you're putting on a meditation app is you're not the mind and you're not the body you know these kind of things and people spend a lifetime on this you right you know i'm an impatient guy adhd comes with that um i wanted to solve it like in 30 minutes <laughs> so again asking questions so we basically i basically took me a little bit of research to know that this is complex stuff right i'm not going to figure it out so why not ask a different question So instead of asking who we are because we don't know why don't we ask who we are not <laughs> right um and and bear with me on this one and and you'll see how this gets connected to racism just see the magic of it so once we just just a little teeny weeny thing like who we are not just asking that question and nobody will connect connect that to racism right like what does it have to do with racism and i'll prove it in the next 2 minutes 
So once you ask who we are not, right, um, then, you know, there's this concept, uh, I'm basically an analyst, my grandfather was a math professor, so, and he told me one thing when I was younger, was uh, that math can solve anything. <laughs> Again, he's a professor of math. Oh my God, my math teacher used to say that math saves lives. <laughs> lives. Let's talk about it right now, let's prove it, <laughs> potentially. So the, uh, you know, the, uh, so, you know, in math, there's something called set theory, you know, sets. So sets mean like, if you see, if you make a circle, like if you make a big square and you make, you know, a circle in it, inside that square, um, that circle is a set, like it's a subset of the larger square, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, let's call that circle A, right? Anything that's not that circle becomes a complement. That's math. A and A complement. So A complement is the opposite. Anything that A is not is A complement. Right? Uh, same idea is what we applied to spirituality. We took math and we applied it to spirituality. And we said, okay, we don't know who we are, you know, based on our review of literature. So let's take the complement to that. <laughs> let's take who we are not. Right? And then we said, Okay, so we know that we are not, you are not your lungs. Get out of the habit of um, kind of discarding the unknown variables and realizing kind of like what questions to ask about those variables instead, right? I mean, there's a there's something called, and this is where divergent thinking comes in, right? Um, so, you know, for me, a lot of things, uh, you know, there's there's a video by uh, I think I think it's in the, it's a, it's from Harvard, you know, their continuing education school or something. They talk about divergent thinking and um, and convergent thinking. You know, convergent thinking, and then they and the summary of it is. The convergent thinking is something that we've all been educated on. It's problem solving, and we're awesome at it. You know, you're given a question, and you solve that question. Divergent thinking is what comes up with multiple ideas to problems. What are the questions to ask, right? They also say that divergent thinking is largely absent, right? Um, so for we know that we need rapid innovation and ideas now given how much the world is changing. Well, well, what I get confused with is, you know, every company has a innovation strategy, for example, right? Everybody wants to be more innovative. Well, somebody's just telling us that divergent thinking is the root cause of innovation, ideas. I never see divergent thinking as, I've never seen a divergent strategy, I've only seen digitization strategies, right? If divergent thinking is the root cause of ideas and innovation, then should you be looking, and innovation happens in the head, should you be looking inside or outside? I mean, I don't, I don't understand it, <laughs> right? Um, the, but just, and, and here's where, you know, you, you're almost like a, you, you're going about in a Ferris wheel, round and round, because, and you're almost trapped by it, right? Because, uh, because divergent, you know divergent thinking from healthcare literature, uh, divergent thinkers, are the ones that create multiple new ideas or solutions to one problem, multiple. We know that, right? Uh, well, 
but the, we also know that most people are not divergent thinkers or we're not trained in it. And this is the difficulty. If you're not trained in it, then you won't give it any weightage. <laughs> so you kind of go round and round, right? Uh, so what we are trying to do is basically make divergent thinking, digitize it so that everybody can become a divergent thinker. And we can create multiple solutions and multiple Teslas. That's what we are trying to do. Uh, because I think true empowerment, and then I think, you know, everything else can follow from it, decentralization, all of it. But I think divergent thinking and how we how we get to conclusions, not if, if so I'll give you an example, right? So, and I might be jumping around a little bit, but I'm questioning things in their current paradigm. You know, when people say collaboration, right? We need massive levels of collaboration to solve the fourth industrial revolution or energy transition, any other problem. I don't understand it because I can't collaborate with five people in a very difficult. Um, most people can't, right? Then in a group, like in any company, right? A team doesn't work. How are you going to have massive levels of collaboration? It's not even possible. Um, you know, unless, of course, then you're kind of married into, okay, then you have to have a lot of money because, you know, money will get collaboration. Um, so you're almost sandwiched yourself, right? To like, um, and, and so, so anyway, I'll, I'll stop here, but I, I can go on and on, but it might get my attention. It might seem like I'm going, uh, uh, it might, you know, this, this is one other thing about connecting the dots and that people talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, if I say I'm connecting the dots uh, or out-of-box thinking, you know, uh, and this is, I think, one of the things you said was, how do we, at the root cause of everything, let me just, kind of, I, I think, get to this. What we found was that the root cause of everything is something very simple. How, what you, it's not what you think, it's how you think about issues, right? What you think, like, every, like we've tried it for the last 20 years, right? People end up fighting and nobody changes their opinions most of the time. We know that because of many statistical studies, right? Uh, the question is, how do we think, right? Are we all thinking the same thing or not, right? Um, the And I, I, running a business, an entrepreneurial business with a purpose, you know how they say, hey, you have to have purpose? Yeah. And but what does that mean? Like, I, I don't know what that means. Uh, like, I'll tell you how it played out with us. Like, we have a purpose. We have a very big vision. To raise human cognition, right through genetics and all of it. Um, the, the that's our vision, and our products are you know very contemporary products, big data products, AI products, genetics products, all of that. The but when I said purpose, you know, one of the one investor came to me. I'm talking about the thinking process, right? And I'll give two examples of this of how we are all thinking different things. It's, it, it's almost like a, it's a bit of a comedy, to be honest. Um, the we're all saying things based on what we think, which is completely different from the other person. Um, I'll give the specific example is, is this investor. I'll give you two examples. I have I was having an investor discussion. They loved the idea that there was a purpose. Um, then they asked me, like, I made a statement that I don't really care about money. Right? Uh, they hated that, right? Obviously, because you don't want the CEO of a business to talk about the fact that he doesn't care about money. Yeah. You know what I was thinking? This was, I understand what they were thinking, you know? The thing is, I can either sound wise or I can be truthful, right? Um, Obviously, unless you're a crazy person, you know that money matters. Obviously, I know money matters, right? For me, money matters. When I say I don't care about money, it's basically I'm looking at another data point, that money is a piece of, 
is a face printed on a piece of paper right fundamentally so that's why that's how i know that money intrinsically is not important somebody has given it importance right so i understand the practical importance of money and i want money like everybody else i want a luxurious life i wouldn't be honest if i wasn't and i want but i also understand there's no intrinsic value in money right so i'm not driven by money that's what creates purpose so my point is like my i don't understand that if you have if you you cannot have purpose if you're if you're just running after money i i you see what i'm saying so when people say you have to have purpose for businesses have to have purpose well how what does it mean in terms of drilling it down what is the kind of character traits you're looking for you see what i'm saying and if you start judging them based on preconceived ideas about what you should say or should not say you're just thinking something else then i'm not you see what i'm saying so yeah but so let's go let's go with it for a second just in that direction um so um you know we talked about this before we started recording that I believe that business is personal. And the, the reason I believe that is because nobody starts a business just to have a business. Oh, I'm starting a business just to, just to, have, to change the world. Because everybody, every single human being starts a business so that they can, yeah, change the world and do all of that and have purpose, quote unquote. But um, it's, it's about changing, having a better life. That's where money comes in. Um, and be- also part of that is that every you can't call yourself a business if money is not is if profit is not the number one target because if you, profit is not your number one target then why are you in business it's a hobby or it's a non-profit um and you're doing good things then, and then we're talking about yeah. a very different uh, very different setup and so um you're right when it comes to you know people like big words and big meanings Um, oh, our business purpose is X. Our business purpose is to provide a really good lifestyle for me and my family and to give something back to the society, to the community, to the society, whatever. That's the purpose. Oh, yeah, well, I, I think, uh, you, you know, I, I would agree with you 100% if I looked at the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You know, context matters, right? Um. And I, I'll be specific here. Like, you know, I was I was listening to, you know, one of the big visionaries of our time in terms of what he's achieved. You know, I don't want to get into political views, but in this core business, uh, you know, is Elon Musk, right? He's achieved a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan and I don't care about politics. I think he's created something unique. Go on, sorry. <laughs> I, mean, he, I mean, he's doing multiple impossible things. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously he's a whole different league, you know, um, in terms of business. Right? Um, and... You know, one, and, and he says it and he does it. Like, you know, he, you know, you know, I come from India and we've got a very big space program. But last 50 years, I saw like a few space things come up. But this guy said it and in three years, he's got multiple spaceships. He's got a whole bunch of satellites around the Earth right now. How many people know that, you know? Um, the, but he's done it, right? So when he says that, you know, AI will, come, will, will merge AI in the brain and the human brain, Um, you know, we started with this problem. I, I, what I don't understand is I could start any business, but if we become, well, that, if you combine AI and the brain, that basically in, in simple English, that means you become a cyborg. It might solve serious problems for paraplegics and all of it, right? But uh, it sounds exciting and I'm totally for it. But when it comes down to experiencing it, I don't want to be a cyborg. <laughs> like, you, you see what I'm saying? So, And, and, I th- and I I don't know why I should discount what he's saying. 
variables and weights, right? Because he's he's pretty much shown that he says crazy shit and he does crazy shit. He does it, right? That is the that is what the data is telling me. How crazy it sounds, how unbelievable it sounds, is irrelevant. Uh, and I can't go to my CTO and say, "What do you think about Elon Musk?" No, this I don't think my CTO can think like Elon Musk, right? So when we looked at the problem, so we are looking at a broader context where, you know, we might be looking at a world that's completely different and unfathomable, um, like you know, AI merging with AI, right? I mean, what do you think it would mean? You know, we have no idea. I mean, we didn't know what Facebook would do. We didn't know what social media would do when it happened. I mean, combining AI and the brain, what do you think that's going to do? And I don't, so, so I guess what I'm trying to get to is that for us finding, if that becomes a reality, none of the other stuff matters. It's almost like, you know, there's, there's nuclear forces. If you've, if you've, if you've, if you've studied nuclear forces or nuclear fusion or fission, there's strong nuclear forces and weak nuclear forces. Um, and, and there's electromagnetism and, and one, the stronger force kind of beats the, the weaker force. That's why, you know, matter stays together. Um, the point is if, if, if everybody becomes a cyborg and, you know, or cyborg in terms of something that we can't even imagine, we don't know what that means. You know, you know, we can only rely on movies, which is not real. You know, uh, people say Terminator. Okay. I don't know what that is. But what I'm saying is he has an, he has he can he has done everything he has said, right? And he's found out the best possible solution to AI is to make to make human beings smarter is to merge it with AI. We don't think that's a sustainable answer. We think building any other business becomes irrelevant if you don't solve that problem, right? Uh, so because it's going to change everything. So a classic example of that is data sciences, a contemporary example. Like if you're a business, and suddenly data science became a very big thing. Python and the things we talk about. Then you're restructuring your company. Uh, you're merging with a technology company. Like say you're an energy company and now you need a technology infusion into the company, digitization. So you buy a technology company, right? Or you get a bunch of people on the technology side and you, so that you can cover data sciences, right? But then did you think about the next step when say AI starts to create code, right? Or data sciences gets uh, democratized. Well, then your whole, then you restructure it again and again and again and again. So my larger point is, this is the important point about holistic thinking. You know, when you're framing a view of the world, I have never seen, when I go into a house, right? I look at the whole house. I don't look at a window. You see what I'm saying? Like I see a lot of big conclusions about the world um, being made by looking at windows. Right, we need to look at the whole house, um, right? And 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 the importance of that can only be understood when we actually do it. You know, no matter what I say, it's not going to explain it. It's just going to sound like a good bunch of words, right? Uh, the simplest relatable example that I could come up with is. Uh, about holistic thinking is, I mean, we understand that you have to look at things as a whole. Like we understand that, right? Conceptually, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you want to understand how a ball rolls, you look at the whole ball. You don't look at one part of the ball. Like it makes no sense, right? Um, like for example, energy transition. Like this is one of the things I went through. 
I, I, I used to be at speaker conferences talking about a beautiful world happening in the future, which is all green, you know. Um, but then if you, if, you, if you look at, so energy is, a, is, is one window of the house, right? Energy industry is not everything. Now, if you look at the technology industry, and as Elon Musk saying, every, you know, we'll merge AI in the brain, right? It completely changes my view of the world, right? Because now we're green, but we're a bunch of cyborgs walking around with a bunch of green stuff around. Right? Potentially, none of this is sure, but it's a hypothesis, right? Yeah. So you're basically expanding your scope of looking at everything holistically, right? And, and that's really the message, is that unless you're looking at things holistically, you know, it becomes, it's, it's you, know, you, you don't know what you're doing and why you're doing it. You know, I, I don't think, I don't think our children deserve, and I'm not saying it in a philosophical sense, right? I don't understand when, I mean, it, it, it's a Google search, you know, go to the World Economic Forum. I, I know this is political and all of that, but, but objectively, it's a document saying that this could lead to, you know, humanity becoming robots. I mean, that's documented. I'm not saying that. That's what discussed, that's discussed in Davos uh, by ministers and prime ministers and presidents. Uh, AI might kill us, may not kill us. What is this? No, I, I don't want that. No, no. What, what do you mean? So there's a, there's a, I need to assign a probability to whether I'm going to die or not. And still I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's like rolling the dice and taking your chances. Right. Um, and, and this is where we sort of took a step back and said, how do you solve this big problem? Right which is made up of a lot of small problems, right? So we, we got the answer to that, but that's probably not for this podcast, uh, um, but, but, but extremely relevant to the time. You know, there's, there's a lot, like, uh, all, all I can say is like the, it's almost like, you know, there's an old, um, I think if I had to summarize all of what we have talked about and bring it down to the human being, you know, it reminds me of this old sort of like the oldest story in, in Christianity, and I'm a Hindu, so uh, I'm, I'm not any religious by any sense. The, you know, the the whether true or not, the the the, the forbidden fruit of knowledge, you know, it, it's almost relevant to the time because uh, because when a lot of stuff is changing, new variables, industrial revolution proportions, right? Uh, your existing knowledge base is foundationally getting changed. I mean, heck, it's also changing who we are. I mean, everybody's really looking at consciousness YouTube videos. You see what I'm saying? And, uh, but they can't talk about it. My, my point is this, fun, when fundamental things change, your existing knowledge base can become a baggage or it can be the biggest asset. It all depends on how much you're ready to learn and unlearn, right? Um, which is not as easy as you think. And, and it's, Talk about unlearning a little bit more, um, because I think that's getting to a core. It's all connected, at least to me, it's connected. And maybe to everybody who's listening, who was also a little bit ADHD, they can follow it. Maybe everybody can follow it. But um, I think the unlearning is a big part of asking the right questions as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, unlearning is, it's all about asking questions. I mean, this is a time when we just need to, like, it's a simple thing, you know, uh, when somebody, I won't even complicate it, when somebody says there's an industrial revolution happening, right? There's words like singularity and it's being thrown about, you know, there's a website called Singularity Hub and predictions happening. Basically, like, say 
there was so much change happening if you make it relatable you know it's like getting into it's, it's like entering a new planet called mars let's just say mars happened in a new planet if 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 which is a whole lot of change right the, the new planet is like a whole lot of change right for you yeah 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 if you act like an expert when you go to a new planet you know you you need a hospital not a new planet um the and, and that's the and that's the trick right but it, and that's why i left the corporate world because i was getting paid to be an expert you know ever seen an expert saying i don't know <laughs> you don't get paid if you say that yeah right? so sure. the and and that's the difficulty of the time right like you almost have to leave that world um if you want to ask the right questions like i when i figured out energy transition and then somebody wants to go to mars ai is happening and all of this stuff is happening and i have no idea what is going on right because i'm in a 9 to 5 cycle and it it worked till things didn't change drastically when things started to change drastically i had to take a step back okay what does this mean well, and it's not just about what it means what does it impact how like it's a connected web right what i find funny is you know some people say that there's a lot of things in the world that are connected and work in a network fashion like everything mm-hmm. is connected i don't even understand why that's so complicated i don't think some things are a network everything is a network you know why if you google um your brain works like a network that's why looking inside is the i think the by far the most important thing we have to do now is your brain works in a network fashion we know that scientifically so it doesn't matter what you're looking at when it gets converted to your brain code so to speak it's going to show up in a network fashion you see what i'm saying even when i say tatiana has a wonderful podcast it's a simple sentence for me but in the brain it's basically a bunch of nodes and edges connections right that's how the brain processes information we know that so everything is a network a simple statement like tatiana has a wonderful podcast in the brain that's also a network <laughs> see what i'm saying so everything is a network in terms of how it's perceived by your brain yeah even though externally it may not seem like a network you see so yeah, so that's that's the that's sort of the you know so that's why looking inside is important like how are things connected and how they're not you know also sort of like deciphering information that's relevant like one of the questions i was asking like i remember i posted something on my linkedin um there was this article from harvard the, i think the vice school or uh, they were talking about this dna storage technology dna data storage technology right and i I'll, i'll link it to contemporary one of the big challenges in the energy industry is this massive increase in demand from data centers because of data right um yeah, yeah. petabytes of data that's going to happen and we don't think we have the iea came up with a forecast that we we have we just don't have enough capacity to meet this level of demand so you know and you're looking at emerging technologies in energy industry right to figure out how we can meet this data center demand you didn't even look at healthcare did you one of the things happening in healthcare is is all connections right is this is this and this is not a the uncertainty is not the technology here for the most part there is it's really the cost so you can i don't know how much you know that there's a if you if you google dna data storage uh we basically have a technology that can your dna can store more data than any most any data center basically right 
Now, when somebody reads this article, like I want to know what are you thinking? This is called connected thinking, right? What I un- what we understood was most people were just that's it. There's something called DNA data storage technology. What else does it mean? Well, you can take it in hundreds of directions. One direction is you can take it towards spirituality if you want. And I'll tell you why, how. Uh, you know how a lot of people say how special we are? I mean, most people don't feel very special when you don't have, you know, a million dollars in your pocket. Um, uh, but you can say you're special and you're lovely and you're, you're a piece of God and, you know, it's, it's not going to have no impact. You know, for the most part, you'll I mean, it'll be like a delusion, you know, for most people, I think. But... But when you read DNA data, what if I tell you, forget about spirituality, read about DNA data storage. Okay, what is that telling you? Forget the technology, forget like enzymes and healthcare and all of it. It's basically saying there's something inside of you that can store more information than data centers. Right? If you're excited about data centers and technology behind data centers, Kubernetes and all of it, why are you not excited about what's inside? Because that technology can store more data than that technology. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And how do you connect that? Um, so if they're looking at data centers, what do you mean by when when you said, you know, you have to, look, why not looking into healthcare? What What is the kind of the conclusion from that? Like, There's multiple conclusions. One is, one is, one is looking at holistic thinking. Like don't look at the energy industry just in the energy industry because the solution, bad or good, could come from healthcare, right? DNA data storage. That's what I was wanting from you. That's one <laughs> message. And the other is that, you know, even if it means understanding fundamentally how you may not feel very special, but what's the raw material you're made of is obviously special. Like, like don't talk about that you're made up of star material. That has no impact on people, I don't think. It's good for, you know, WhatsApp forwards. <laughs> But once you know that, we know that your DNA can store more data, technology-wise. We know it. What does that tell you about what you're made of? Does that not make you special? And if it doesn't make you special, then why do you think data centers are so special? I don't understand it. You see what I'm saying? So so I guess what I'm getting to is that the, the whole paradigm about how we think about issues and problems... We, we've almost assumed that some things cannot be explained logically. It's just an assumption. You know, like I, I hear in spiritual circles, you have to have faith and, you know, logic is out of the question. Like, why? Like, why? Like, what if I prove it to you otherwise? Right? Would you believe me then? So that's <laughs> the, the whole paradigm of how we think needs to change to deal with this level of change. It's an industrial revolution. People need to understand this, right? Nobody's talking about it. It's almost like somebody saying there's an industrial, the whole point of industrial revolution is there's multiple transitions and transformations happening across multiple areas of uh, our personal and professional lives, right? And DNA should tell you that what is the difference between business and personal life then? <laughs> if you start storing technology in it, in yourself, you see this whole lines of personal, professional, everything's getting intertwined. Like when you said like business is, Obviously, it's personal. Anything you're spending, if I'm spending eight hours on something in a day, out of my 12 hours of productive day life, how is it not personal? <laughs> like, how is it possible? Right? The fact that it is not considered to be personal is a problem. Yes. That agreed. is not sustainable. Right? Like, the, that's, the, that's the thing, I think. You know, so. and, and can you talk a little bit about 
you've touched on it on being special and why every single person is special because sometimes a lot of a lot of us think psychologically emotionally we are not special and because of that we keep looking for ourselves we keep trying to find ourselves and stuff like that if, uh, but um, you know I believe that it's not about like really it's not about um, finding yourself it's more about creating and un maybe even unlocking what you've already got um, talk about the feeling special for people yeah and when, when I say feelings like when I say somebody's special like I, I don't think people are special I think people can be special right that's that's sort of the difference like because you have you're made up of raw material that is special you see what I'm saying that we yes. we, we know conclusively like right now if I tell somebody you know that you're special, like, I don't know what that means. Like, honestly, because I don't, you know, most people don't feel that special. It sounds good. It'll make you feel good for a second. But but once you know that you have raw material that can do all these specific things, then you know that there's something inside of you, quantifiably, logically, that is unbelievably special. Like DNA storing that level of data is special, right? So you have to wonder if you have all this stuff wrapped inside of you, what else are you capable of, right? Um, and how? Like throwing away, throwing words like neuroplasticity and all that, it means nothing. You know what I mean? Like it's, um, so, so, so my point is, the, this is a, not just, this is a profound time, you know, for humanity. First is like, you know, I, I think most people like, you know, one weird thing, I think one of the big humps we have to get over is exactly this, to know that you're potentially special. Because if you say you're special, then, you know, that becomes religion to me. Like, it's, you know, it's, it, 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 it's, it makes a bunch of happy people around you, you know, and then they go about doing whatever they do. Uh, for me, like, knowing that you're made up of raw material conclusively, special, but then how, what can, what does it mean after that? How can you convert that raw material into a final product that is you, right? That is the biggest question now, but the biggest hump in that one of the, I'll give you an example. I, you know, I, we have a collective of people and, and, and I do a lot of thought experiments, like, cause I don't, cause I, I, I know what I think. I don't know what you think. I'm not, a, how, how can I know what you think? I mean, I don't even know what people are saying when they know that word. I know how your brain can work because fundamentally I know how the brain works, but I don't know what you think. Well, how would I know that? Um, so the one example, you know, like, I think, uh, I think, uh, neural link, Elon Musk company, they, you know, I don't know if you see that sort of YouTube video of a monkey playing, uh, some game with his mind. Have you seen that YouTube video? No, I don't think so. Okay, so they, they tested it on a monkey where they put that, you know, their, their deck on the monkey and the monkey basically was playing, I think it was Tetris or some other game and he was playing it with his mind. You know, it's, it's you can find it on YouTube. It got very famous and all, like millions of hits and all. You know, one of the things I realized was I sent like I had a WhatsApp group and I sent that link to folks, um, and everybody was amazed at the technology. I mean, this monkey, you know, moving things with his mind. What the hell? Like, you know, why won't you? Do? Then I said, human beings can do it too. The next after that, <laughs> that became weird for people, right? Because it's mystical and weird stuff. You know what I got from that? Like somehow we've been trained that a monkey can move that with tech help is special. An evolved monkey can do it is weird. <laughs> you, you, you see what I'm saying? 
you see what my like and this has been deeply ingrained <laughs> in our minds like technology great human technology no 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 it's almost like you, you know if and there's this in in natural language processing you know you learn learn a lot about objects subjects and predicates if i analyze a world that is weird and you know like crazy technology leaps happening just because i'm analyzing a world that is weird doesn't make me weird i'm just an analyst like uh, if i'm not analyzing it i'm judging you because it's happening right in front of me yeah you see what i'm saying and so these are just mindset changes that need to occur right um, at, at a larger level like and people need to know this like you need to know that you're made up of stuff that is crazy it's unbelievable people need to know that don't stop having discussions about happiness and desire and start having discussions about serotonin and dopamine right dopamine basically means desire and serotonin means happiness let's get scientific <laughs> about it let's not get philosophical about it because that's the amount of scientific leaps we're having you see what i'm saying so um i think that time of the esoteric and like the fluffy stuff has to go and let's all be scientific people and scientific thinking tells you that you you don't assume that this is weird you don't make presuppositions about things you don't know anything about you see what and you and you also have to get fluid intelligence you have to change your opinions on things for example meditation if my grandmother said it 20 years back i didn't take it seriously when a neuroscientist is saying it something has to change in your mind in terms of age you don't have to believe it but now it's a lot more serious than it was when my grandmother said it you see what i'm saying but but and that is where subconscious brain like you still think of meditation as something weird no that was 20 years back now it's a neuroscientist saying it we know what it does to the amygdala of the brain you see what i'm saying and but you have to like there was a study about how meditation what it does to the amygdala of the brain right and eye movements and and i was just looking at my friends i'm like oh wow what, that's wonderful no 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 that's unbelievable what they're saying is you close your eyes you sit in a damn place and you change your amygdala and your emotional responses just by closing your eyes i mean that's weird stuff right like what are we thinking you see what i'm saying um so so my point is like that fluid intelligence which is linked to divergent thinking and all of it the task is humongous right in front of us right criticisms judgment has, has no place for anything it's only logic we have to rely on our own logic that's the best we have otherwise we create belief system then we believe in some guy you know and that guy or gal might become you know might be great today may not be great tomorrow you don't know we, so the only way to empower ourselves is to elevate our thinking process and you never know what's going to come out of it right so so that's what we're really trying to do through and through digitizing it we are digitizing this new way of thinking so that everybody can do it it doesn't have to be one person it doesn't have to be a prajit or you know or somebody very important at the moment or elon like anybody <laughs> like of consequence or no consequence who's smart it has to be everybody that's the only way we're going to get there right everybody in terms of everybody who wants to be <laughs> right we're not trying to convince anybody it's like here's a logic believe it don't believe it up to you right i i am not responsible for your life like so we are big proponents of like you change yourself and everything will change i mean it's a simple thing you have a bunch of cells in your body right you can't change your body without changing the cells you change the cells and the body changes by itself 
we know yeah. that yeah right so so that's the idea like don't try to change anybody don't try to change the world i mean i don't even know what that means changing the world like <laughs> you have a bird's eye view of it i have i don't know what's happening around the world like how do i know i think it's i think that's a psychotic thing when you want to change the world like personally like i mean not and not as a criticism but i i think it i'd be too egotistical to think i can change the world i think only god can change the world <laughs> i agree you know you know so uh so then the question is then you start asking question okay what can i possibly do then you know so but we leave that to you know Pranjeet I think it's been a great first uh, first season of I mean first episode of the season 5 of Talks with Tatiana we'll uh we'll basically keep on the conversation going and um and we'll focus on fluid intelligence and how um people can learn it um how they can learn it how they can be fluid and um have a better life thanks Tatiana is wonderful thanks for having me All right everybody we'll see you next week for another great episode of Talk to Tatiana